God's good, isn't he? And this 2020 thing, <clears throat> I think, uh, snuck up on all of us, but God's good. How many of you are saved on your way to heaven? Wave it at me. Oh, isn't it great to know that you're going to heaven when you die? And uh, don't miss tonight, 6 o'clock, right? Church tonight, 6 o'clock. And uh, if you want to come to chapel tomorrow, you can. We'll let you come to chapel tomorrow. Back there on the table, I've written 36 books. This is my 36th book on the lost commandment. And it's about the word honor in the Bible. And I think you'll find it to be a blessing. I would suggest that you, it's $8. Buy it and give it to some young person. And uh, I think that there are some great principles here that will be a blessing to them. We're tearing down statues all over America because we say, well, that guy's flawed and that guy's flawed. But everybody's flawed. The Bible says, for all have sinned. And so we're all sinners. And the people tearing down the statues are just as bad off as the people they're tearing down. So uh, anyway, get the book. I think it'll be a blessing to you. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, would you, this morning? 2 Corinthians chapter 12. <clears throat> and go to verse 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and go to verse 7. What did I do? Knocked the water off. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 7. i, I got to read this to you. My wife gave this to me. These are hymns that uh, you can sing while you, if you speed. 45 miles an hour, she, she said, you can sing, God will take care of you. At 55 miles an hour, guide me, O thou great Jehovah. 65 miles an hour, nearer my God to thee. 75 miles an hour, nearer, still nearer. 85 miles an hour, this world is not my home. 95 miles an hour, Lord, I'm coming home. Over 100 miles an hour, precious memories. But, uh, I thought it was kind of cute. Second Corinthians chapter 12 with verse 7. Would you stand, please? You're going to have to listen extra this morning. My voice is shot. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 7. The scripture says this, And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. Now in the original, that's a mother-in-law. That's what that is. God, listen, I love my wife's mother-in-law, but anyway. Wow, you did better than the crowd I had last week. You did good. It was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, that I, I should be exalted, at least I be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Now, our text verse is verse 10. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. And here, I want you to underline this little statement. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Did you see that? For when I am weak, then am I strong. And I'd like for you to circle the word then, T-H-E-N. When I was weak, then am I strong. And that word, the English word then is something like equals. I want to talk to you about that. When I am weak, then am I strong. I turned 75 this year. And uh, I, uh, I, I looked in the mirror and I said, who is that old man? I don't know him. It's here. Can't run from it. I'm weaker now than I was 
Now, used to be, and you and I, as we get older, are going to become weaker. So I'm going to take this truth from the Word of God this morning. When I am weak, then I'm strong. Now, if you're young, you're a strapping young man, uh, young lady, you, you don't, you're not going to quite understand what I'm saying this morning. But it's going to come. Those days are going to come. My wife's had 40-some surgeries. And uh, it's just, she has a terrible bone disease. And we have had all kinds of difficulties. And she's weak this morning. But there's a truth here. When God sees that we're weak, it can turn into strength. So I want you to listen carefully. And we're getting out of here early today. So I spotted a Kentucky Fried Chicken. And we're putting chicken in the ministry today. So we're, don't worry. But say, well, when's the guy going to land this plane? I'm going to land it. We'll be just fine. But I want you to listen carefully. When I'm weak, then am I strong. Father, help me to help. Holy Spirit of God, we need you desperately. Now, I'm physically weak, but I need your strength. So God, talk to us. Please meet with us. Walk up and down these aisles and go from pew to pew and person to person and meet with us this morning, please. In Jesus' name, we ask it. Amen. You may be seated. Heartaches are real. Heartbreaks are real. Ill health is real. Burdens are real. Troubles are real to us as God's people. You're not exempt from it because you're saved. You're trapped in that body, and that body, the wages of sin is death. And when you got saved, the part of you got saved was your soul, not your body. You never hear a preacher get up and say, we had five bodies saved today. It's always five souls that get saved. So you're going to get weak in this vessel that you're walking around in. Now, here's an interesting statement in the scripture. When I am weak, then am I strong. The word weak could be defined as powerless. It could be defined as helpless. So everyone, every once in a while somebody will say to me, I'm at, I'm at, the, I'm at the end of the rope. And I think of this verse. Uh, Pastor, I'm helpless. I think of this verse. Preacher, I'm hope, it's hopeless. I think of this verse. When someone says, I don't know what to do, I think of this verse. Uh, there's, uh, preacher, there's nothing, humanly speaking, that can help me. When they say that to me, I think of this verse. Preacher, I'm powerless. I think of this verse. Preacher, I'm helpless. I think of this verse. Preacher, I'm, it's hopeless. I think of this verse. Now, I want you to circle, you probably already have the word T-H-E-N. Paul says, then am I strong. So he is saying this equals strength. The word strong is a powerful word. It's like, a, like the word dynamite. And here, the, this word strong is the most powerful of all the words in the Bible. So apparently, Paul is saying there is power in weakness. There's power in helplessness. There's power in hopelessness. Hold it. I did not say the futility of helplessness. I did say the power of hopelessness or helplessness. God is saying to us that there's a power, don't miss this, available in weakness. There's a power available in hopelessness. There's a power available in helplessness. There's an amazing power available in not knowing what to do. Let me say it again. There's an amazing power available in not knowing what to do. There's power available in, in, when you find you're at the end of your rope. 
There's power available when you find yourself in hopeless or helpless. When I am at the end of my rope, I have the, I have the most power available to me. When I do not know what to do, I have available to me the most power. When I have done all that I can do, and I, I, I just can't do any more, I have now available, according to Scripture, most power. When I'm weak, I have available the most power. When I'm helpless, I have available the most power. Write this Scripture down. Psalm 4, verse 1. Psalm 4, verse 1. The Scripture says, Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. Let me read it again. Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. The word distress could be defined as hemmed in. When I was hemmed in. When I had no way out. When there was no answer. The Bible says thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. In these 49 years of preaching, it seems in times of distress and weakness that God moved in. It seems like at times when our backs were against the wall, all of a sudden God moved in. Uh, when there seemed no way out, all of a sudden God shows up. But we stop and we say, I, I'm glad. Here, let me say this. I'm glad I didn't run every time I had a problem. I'm glad I didn't tuck tail and run every time I had a problem. Uh, you, you, you know, <laughs> my wife and I, we got married. We've been married 55 years. And she said, what would you like for breakfast, first breakfast? I said, well, I like eggs over easy. I like bacon. I like uh, a gravy, I like biscuits, I like, so I told her all that. So she was writing it all down and everything. So she went and made breakfast. And when she did, I sat there, and there were the biscuits and all that. I picked up a biscuit to put butter on it, and it was as hard as this, this thing, just as hard as a rock. And I picked that thing up, and I couldn't cut through it. And, uh, and if, you're, if you're not married yet, don't do this. Uh, I said to her, why don't you call Mama and find out how to make those biscuits? Boy, you don't ever do that. Don't ever do that. She picked up that biscuit and threw it at me. And I ducked, and it hit the fissure on the door, and it chipped the paint off the door. And I sat down in the middle of the kitchen, and I started laughing. Thank the Lord. She sat down, and she started laughing. It was, it was funny. Thank the Lord. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, 55 years of marriage, we've, we've seen a lot. 55 years of marriage, four children, 10 grandchildren, eight going on nine great-grandchildren. Uh, my wife and having all these surgeries and so on. We've seen a lot, but I've watched God move in. I've watched God move in at that time when it didn't seem like there was any way out and our backs were against the wall. I saw God move in and do miraculous things. God enlarges us, he is saying in Scripture, in times of our own weakness. God enlarges us in times of our distress. God enlarges us in times of hopelessness or helplessness. The Bible says, Thou hast enlarged me in times of distress. Sometimes all we can do is stand still when at the bottom. Sometimes life uh, is, is terrible circumstances will occur. And, and it can't be changed. It's not going to be changed. It's just my wife's health is the way it is. Mine's the way it is. It's just the way that it is. But God says, I'm a part of this formula here. And when you get that point, I'm going to move in. And you're going to see power. Sometimes, try as we may, we cannot find a way out. Now listen to this statement. Listen to this statement. If you don't get anything else, listen to this. God has been waiting for you at the bottom. Let me say it again. God has been waiting for you at the bottom. When you're on top side and you got all the money you need, every health you need, everything else, you don't need God. 
But there's going to come a time when you're going to find yourself at the bottom. What's happened? God has been waiting for you to get to the bottom. God has been waiting at the end of the rope for you. God has been waiting for you at the end of the line. Don't miss this. God's power kicks in when our power kicks out. His omniscience kicks in when our intelligence kicks out. His omnipotence kicks in when our power kicks out. His ability kicks in when our ability kicks out. His dynamite kicks in when our firecrackers kick out. His wisdom kicks in when our wisdom kicks out. His possibilities kick in when our possibilities kick out. His divinity kicks in when our perfection kicks out. I'm just simply saying to you, His gold kicks in when our plated gold kicks out. God has been waiting for you at the bottom. God is there. He's waiting. He's prepared. He's waiting for you to give you power. It's available, but it only comes to fruition at the end or at the bottom or at the end of the rope. Now listen to this statement. God wants to give you power, but He cannot give you power when you have power. His fullness awaits our emptiness. Our importunity is His opportunity. When our power is, is gone out, His power comes in. When the power is turned off, his power is turned on. Human failure is the foundation of all spiritual success. Let me say it again. Human failure is the foundation for all spiritual success. Preacher, I don't know what I'm going to do. I, I, I'm just at the end of the rope. I don't know what to do. God's waiting for you to get to the end of the rope. He's not going to do it until you get to the end of the rope. Here's exactly what God is saying to us. Our helplessness is God's opportunity. God is saying the power of helplessness is a real power available. The power of hopelessness is available, and that's real power. The power in weakness is found because that's the real power. The power of nowhere to turn is a real power, just as real as the atom bomb, just as real as a nuclear plant. When I get to the end of my rope, he throws me his rope. When I get to the pit, he lowers the ladder. My inadequacies lead me to his adequacies. Helplessness is the most powerful spiritual uh, available to man. I'm saying, trying, and I'm trying to say, you can't do it by yourself. That's what I'm saying. You can't do it by yourself. How many times have you heard stories of Dr. Lee Robertson, Dr. Jack Howells, Dr. John Rice? At the end of the rope, Dr. Rice, the sword of the Lord, went from a quarter of a million subscriptions down to 18,000. Why? He stood for the Bible. He didn't stand for evolution, teaching evolution in Christian colleges. He stood for the Bible. So guess what? People turned on him. But guess what? That I was on the board of the Sword of the Lord. I saw it come back from 18,000 to well over a quarter million again. What happened? God said, Dr. Rice, you're a great man. You've got a great intellect. You're a great man. But when you hit the bottom, that's when I'm going to step in and show you my power. You see, when I get to the pit, he does lower the ladder. Whenever I, I get to the place where I realize I can't do it, then God throws himself and his mercy at me and says, well, watch me do it. If you can't do it, watch me do it. I had a church. I went there to Texas in 1980. We had 159 people when I went there, and, uh, and we had a split, uh, a parting of the ways, if you please. And uh, so in March, when I went to pastor school and came back, half the crowd had left. And uh, I remember saying to the assistant pastor, where are they? He said, the rapture? I said, no, we're the good guys. But uh, I, uh, uh, you can laugh anytime you'd like to. Uh, 
But uh, I, re I remember, I remember standing up a, uh, at that time a 1,200 seat auditorium. Since then, we've had a 10 section in the balcony. But I remember standing up and looking, and I, and I said, "Good morning," and it just echoed all over the place. "Good morning, good morning, good morning." Well, that, and so we went to work. Boy, I thought it was the end of the world. I thought my ministry was over. I thought it was all over. But after 30 years, we ended up averaging 2,000 in Sunday school, and we had people saved. We baptized 10,000 in one year. Uh, I'm just saying that there's a God in heaven and God is waiting sometimes. Oh, you're upset with God because you got your problem. But God said, you've got to have this problem before I can do anything. I want to do it. I don't want you walking around saying, look what I did. I want you walking around saying, look what he did. You and I, I'm just saying, oh, God never overpowers you. Uh, God just simply waits for you to die to resurrect you. So God then uh, is waiting for you to die to self. Dr. Robertson, that was his favorite. Die to self, die to self, die to self. Dr. Lee Robertson, what a great man of God. I don't like dying to myself. I don't like the problems that come when you hit the, at the end of the rope. I don't like it. And you, you've, Dr. Bloom, God bless him. I mean, I can't imagine uh, having a sight gone like that. Of course, he did tell me, folks, you folks are looking better all the time. But... Uh, 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 but when I, you see, when you're at your wit's end, we're at the end of the rope. When uh, uh, you find yourself in the city dump with Lot, and you find yourself at the dump of defeat, or the dump of sorrow, or the dump of failure, or the dump of heartbreak, of frustration, disappointment, when you get to the end of your rope, he is saying, I want you to remember, I'm, I have a better rope than you have. If you say, I'm not there yet, you will be. You just let a few years come on and some heartache, heartbreak come on. You'll be, one of these days, you'll be in the bottom looking up, but God is saying, I'm waiting for you to get to the bottom so I can show you my power. God wants to show you his power. Now, well, how, what, what do I do? All right, here's the sermon. Write this down. Here's the catalyst. Here's what makes it work. Here's what's going to cause you in times of weakness to have power. Listen carefully. This is it. This is the catalyst. This is what makes it work. Write this down. Keep on going. Amen. Write it down. Keep on going. What's the secret, preacher? Well, he said, when you're weak, he said, then you're strong. What's it mean? You've got to hit the bottom. And when you do, what's the answer? Get back up on your feet and keep going. Uh, yes, the COVID hit and your businesses have been shot and things have happened. Get back up on your feet. Get back in the battle again. Get back in the fight again. And if you'll do that, my mama went to heaven at age 98 on Christmas Day, 2010. She played the church piano till she was 90. She was not going to roll over and die. And she was a, a soul winner, led people to Christ. And she would, if I were a little bit down, you know, mamas can tell, you know. And mom would say, son, what's the matter? Mama, there's nothing wrong. Yeah, there is. Now get back up on your feet. Get with it. Get with it. I remember one time a lady in our church, she came to me and I tried to help her. God bless her. I did. I counseled her, talked to her. And finally she came in one day and she said, you're not helping me a bit. Well, thank you. Good to see you too. Uh, you're not helping me a bit. I understand your mother's coming for Mother's Day. I'd like to talk to her. Maybe she will understand. And on the inside, I started laughing. I, and I said to myself, girl, you don't want to talk to mama. You, you don't want to talk to mama. But she insisted. She said, I, I said, okay, I'll arrange it. And so my mother told me what happened. They sat down, and this lady starts crying, starts pouring out her heart to my mother. My mother looked at her, wipe those tears away. Wipe them away right now. 
That may work on my son, but it won't work on me. <laughs> now you wipe one way. Be a woman. Stand up. Be strong. God wants to use and just chewed her out. And the lady the next month, the counselor appointment, she came and she said, I think I'd rather talk to you. <laughs> now, look, I'm gonna tell you something right now. You're gonna have heartache and you're gonna have heartbreak and you're gonna get older and your body's gonna say, Don't go when you want to go. But what's the catalyst? I'll tell you what it is. Get back up on your feet and go at it again. Come back tonight for church. Come back tomorrow, more if you can, and tomorrow night. I'm just saying, get back up on your feet. I don't care if you've got to use a walker or one of those little scooter things that my wife had getting around. I, I Get back up on your feet. This business of having a pity party. Well, nobody, nobody understands. Of course, they don't. You're, having, you're inviting everybody to come to your pity party, but they're staying for theirs. Everybody's having a pity party. Everybody's having a rough time. But I'm just saying, that's why, I, oh, I love your preacher. I love your pastor. Man, you talk uh, the, uh, uh, a mini stroke and things like this. He said, he said to me, I'd lost my peripheral vision, but now I've lost my vision up here. And yet, this morning, he could be feeling sorry for himself, but he's not. And you could be too, but you shouldn't. When I, you're weak, he said, then you can find strength. It's available to you. What's the catalyst? What cause? Get back up on your feet. Get back in your Bible. Get back to reading the Word of God. Get back to prayer. Quit feeling sorry for yourself. Uh, you, you're supposed to learn from these valley experiences. That's, that's a little, uh, it says, you know, you young ladies have a natural beauty. You just have a natural beauty. And why in the world do you want to paint it up? I'll never understand. You're beautiful. Now, you old women, paint it up. Uh, but... Uh, <laughs> the Bible says the young, young ladies ought to listen to the older, old ladies, that don't sound, aged ladies, and you should. Why? They've got a lot of experience, and they keep going. I look out this morning, and I love coming to this church, because I look out and see the gray hairs, and I'm one, and I see the gray hairs, and I see you're here. Every time I come, you're here, you're here. You'll be here tonight, you'll be here tomorrow. It's just something, you've got, this church has a, has a wonderful testimony of you folks, you, you senior saints, and God bless you for it. And you've had to fight. You have to stand back up on your feet. It seems like to me that I preach my best when my back's against the wall. <laughs> After we had a, a split, I thought to myself, it's over, but I, I decided, I, I remember going into my office, and I went into the bathroom there, and I sat on the only seat that was there, and uh, sat down, and I started crying. I started crying. My wife came in, pounded on the door, and she said, are you all right? I said, no, I'm not all right. And she said, you're going to have to come out sooner or later. I said, let's make it later. And she wouldn't leave. She said, you get out of there. This is ridiculous. And I said, oh, yes, dear. And uh, I'm the head of my house. Uh, so I stepped out, and we got on, I fell on our face in that office, and we prayed. We thought it was over. Honestly, we had an $8,000 budget and had $2,250 coming in. We're broke. We had, we had a, a little bit of crowd. It looked like it was over. And she looked at me with tears in her eyes and she said, Honey, God didn't die. God didn't die. Let, let's get back up on our feet. If it had been for that, God bless her. God bless her. And she prayed. She prayed for me. She prayed me right with God. And uh, I got up and I, I said, I'm, I'm going, we're going forward. We're going forward. Well, look what God did. I mean, all the people saved. We, ran, we had 40 plus bus routes. We ran buses to Dallas, Texas. We ran buses to Shreveport, Louisiana, Bossier City. We were invading Oklahoma when I retired. <laughs> 
I mean, we were running those buses everywhere. Some of the buses didn't get back to the property until 2 o'clock in the morning. Oh, a great army of soul winners getting the job done, winning souls and getting it done. I, I'm glad I got out of that bathroom and my wife got me right with God. I'm glad I did. I'm just saying to you, I know you're down and I know it's rough, but get back up on your feet and keep on going for God. Keep winning souls. I stepped out of my room this morning. A little lady said to me, are you a preacher? And I said, yes, ma'am. And she said, can I talk to you? She was one of the workers there. I said, sure you can. She said, I'm dying on the inside. I said, why? She said, my son died. He was the only support I had. She said, I haven't worked in 20 years. And I'm having to work here at the motel. And she said, I'm glad I've got a job. I'm going to do it. She said, but I, I'm hurting. And it wasn't a few minutes. I led her to Christ. And she prayed about Christ in her heart. I, I'm just, I, everybody's hurting. But I, you've got to get back up on your feet. You've got to get back. I don't care. Get back up on your feet. Oh, but preacher, I, I, I got kicked out of college. And get kicked back into college. Don't quit. Don't just keep on going. And that's exactly the sermon this morning. You keep on going. When the times get rough, God has available to you a power, but it will not kick in until you decide to keep on going. When you decide to go soul winning again, you decide to give tithes and offerings again, you decide to pray again, you decide to read your Bible, you decide, and when you do, God said, that's good to hear. I'm going to help you. And he'll pour his power into you. I don't care what the opposition is. I don't care what it is. You keep on going for God. I have a grandson, R.G. I mentioned him this morning in Sunday school. He's 30 years of age. He, uh, he has a mind of a child. His, uh, he uh, walked walk pigeon-toed like this in his arms. They took his frontal lobe off, reshaped it, and put it back on. So it's some type of a semblance of being normal. He has boils all over him because of the medication that he takes. But he, he has, he's so sweet. He's so sweet. I, I, can't, I can't feel bad when I'm around him. He makes me feel bad that I felt bad. He's, he's just, he's just he's amazing. He's just, when my son Bob was voted into the church I pastored for 30 years, and, uh, and he, had, he had a 95% vote for him to be pastor. And R.G. started going around saying to different people after his dad was voted into the church, you're fired. You're fired. He thought he was Donald Trump. <laughs> you're fired you're fired and Bobby got up on a Wednesday night and he said folks how many of you have been fired by RG half the crowd raised their hand <laughs> he, he, he sits on the front row down here and uh, I'm never home never home never home but uh, I was home this one particular Sunday and he was sitting down there and we have pastors that stand at the end of each aisle the invitations given and we had an assistant pastor stand here and so RG was sitting on the front row and he went and the assistant pastor leaned down and said, what is it, R.G.? So I, did, I couldn't hear what they were doing. After the service, I went to the assistant pastor. I said, what did R.G. say? He looked at me and said, you're doing a good job. Keep it up. <laughs> he, he looked at the assistant pastor looked at me. He said, I thought I was going to fire me. I'm just, look, I, I want you to understand, you're not the only one in the world that's hit bottom. You're not the only one that, uh, that suffered because of COVID. You're not the only one that suffers because of the economic collapse of a, of a nation. I'm saying to you, join the rest of us. We're all there. But what's the secret? Keep on going. Say that with me. Keep on going. Come on, louder. Keep on going. Say it again. Keep on going. I can't hear you. Say it again. 
keep on going. Don't holler at me. Uh, keep on going. That's it. Oh, preacher, I don't know if I can make it another day. Yes, you can. Get out of bed. Go to work. Don't lay there and feel sorry for yourself. Get with it. Get moving. My wife, I've seen her lay in bed, and a pastor's wife will call and say to me, can I talk to you, Mrs. Gray? I said, sure, yes, you can. And she's lying in this bed of affliction, and I've watched as I hand her the phone, and she starts talking to the pastor's wife. She's lying flat, flat on the bed. Then pretty soon she's sitting on the side of the bed. Then pretty soon she's standing with her walker going like this, talking, trying to give it by. Do you know what happened? She was weak, couldn't move, and all of a sudden, because she started thinking about somebody else, she was able to sit on the side of the bed, then able to walk. Keep on going. The pity party is over, officially. No pity party this year. We're not going to feel sorry for ourselves. We're going to keep on going and see what God does.